Father, we need you, Lord. I need you. We need you. We're totally, totally helpless without you, Lord. Speak to us once again. There's so much confusion in the world. This shadow of death of God is over this world. And your people struggle. And I pray, Lord, we'll be able to truly look up as this continues, these days continues, we will be able to stand strong and stand firm and keep looking up. Because in an hour like this, truly, the world has nothing but the church. And your church cannot fail in this hour. Give us a strength that you promised us. Pray for strength for your people. All your people everywhere, especially those who are listening now. You said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. Then you shall be my witnesses. We need power, Lord, to stand and to witness. Speak, Father, tonight. Once again, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So as we continue our study and nothing seems to be changing anywhere, the news is as gloomy as ever, but the kingdom of God is always a kingdom of light. So first we'll go to John chapter 16 and verses 7 and 8. Eternal truths. Eternal realities spoken by the great master. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That's our comfort. The helper has come. The Holy Spirit has come. And that's our comfort. He's our helper. But three things about the Holy Spirit here. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And these are realities we cannot run from. We can try to hide as much as we want, but one day it will catch up with everyone. When he has come, he has come. He convicts of three things, of sin, because they did not believe in me, that's what Jesus says in verse 9. They did not believe in me. Enough righteousness. If we had believed in him. And ultimately judgment. So we cannot escape, escape this. So everything is pointing towards the, the reason behind what we go through. world goes through is because of sin. And because of the righteousness that God demands, because that is who he is, and the judgment that is coming that will restore everything back to the way it was always meant to be. In Egypt, we know when the children of Israel finally left, 
All they had to do was believe the Passover lamb's blood, the blood they applied on the doorposts, <coughs> and they were safe. The angel of death passed over them. And after that, they left. But after they left, the test began. They had just escaped the penalty of sin. And Pharaoh was a type of Satan, and Egypt was a type of the land they were born and dwelt in. We know Pharaoh pursued them. The Red Sea swallowed him. And Pharaoh's army was defeated. And not only defeated, he was disarmed. It's a type of Jesus defeating Satan on the cross. Not only that, Satan is disarmed. Never forget that. But after that, the journey continued. But please remember, sin leaves a deep mark in the human soul. These were the set of people who were born and shaped in Egypt. That is sin. The penalty of sin was over, over their lives. But they had to now break the power of sin over their lives. Pharaoh is dead, meaning defeated. Pharaoh's army has been disarmed. But they have to break the power of sin, which is basically in their mind, imprinted in their soul, broken. And this is the basic struggle God's people face. They are saved. Like morning you heard about two tests. They forget the entire journey is we have to overcome. And each of these tests is revealing something of Egypt which is still hidden in us. And we have to go through those tests and overcome those tests. But there are many foolish assumptions Saved people still carry. And First Corinthians chapter 1, 26 onwards, breaks down all these foolish, foolish Christian myths saved people carry. If you read that, for you see your calling. Okay, we were called. Okay, we were called. That's why we are saved. Brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Foolish myths which we carry, which needs to be broken down, all those of us who are listening. No one was saved because he or she was good. Don't ever assume that our goodness had some part in our salvation. Nobody was saved because they were good. You and I were not saved because we were smart. That God needed a few smart people in his kingdom, okay? You and I were not saved because we had strength or we were mighty. None of it. On the other hand, it's a very humbling thing. Humbling thing. You look at verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. So it is it is an incredible shift to think that I am saved and I am saved maybe because I was foolish. But that's not our worldly credentials. Our worldly credentials is always that we were smart. God says, you know what, you don't want to realize the spiritual reality? If I have chosen you, maybe you were foolish. One of the foolish things in the world, to put to shame the wise. So don't go with worldly wisdom there. Maybe you are one of the weak things of the world, put to shame the things which are mighty. Maybe you are one of those base things of the world. One of those things that are despised that God has chosen. 
and the things which are not to bring nothing the things that are. And please remember what God says. No flesh should glory in his presence. It's a very, very humbling. And if we don't see this, we'll also get lost on the way. This is what happened to the children of Israel. On the road, they thought, you know what, they were they were cool. God kept on telling, you were not chosen because you were large or mighty, or you were the smallest, the weakest. and They didn't really. See, we also have to read this over and over and over and over and repeat it over and over until we start believing this. See, we can read it, we can list, but even for me, myself, to really believe, you mean to reality? It's so difficult for the flesh to accept this. So flesh will never accept. That's why the only solution is the flesh has to die. And children of Israel really thought they were saved because of who they were. And the children of Israel walking under when Jesus was there, you know, they used to boast about their ancestors and how all those things, while they are slaves under the Roman regime. See, if you don't accept this and live in this, we'll get lost on the way like the children of Israel did. This is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, convicting us, leading us continuously to the path of righteousness. It didn't happen with them. It can happen to many Christians. It doesn't happen to us. And then finally one day we go to sleep, meaning death, and we wake up and realize the reality of judgment. And so many wonderful people got saved, and I hope we are not in that, who will wake up to the reality of judgment and realize all my works were burned because they were works of flesh and I was proud about those things. And we just had our salvation and nothing else. Okay. Finally, judgment. So these are the pictures we are looking at. So all the messages we primarily preach from here are messages to the saved and those who are interested in sanctification. If you come to the last words of that 31, if I am right, or 30, you know, of, but of him you are, it's a very strange construction, of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Do you see that? The order is reversed here. It's like Paul talking about, first I want to know the resurrection of Christ Jesus. So actually redemption should be first, right? But it's the other way. It is, because this is not the work of the beginning of salvation. This is the work of sanctification. The end of sanctification, you will realize, my soul has been fully redeemed. It is a reverse process now. Okay, so understand construction. I mean, this man was full of the Holy Spirit. No intellectual will be able to write like this. It's impossible to write like this. This is not intellectual. It's not possible for anybody to write like this to... This is the mind of Christ. Mind of Christ, okay? Otherwise, we will also get it wrong. I mean, isn't that order wrong? Yeah, but the order is right. So this is pertaining to... As it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So this is what we are looking at, the work of sanctification, continuous, continuous sanctification, which God does in our life. So Eliezer with ten camels after 
65 years in the promised land. Because Abraham entered at the age of at 75, and now he's 140, so 40 plus 25 is 65 years. We are not going to Genesis 21st immediately. Okay. It's now going all the way to Abraham's household for a girl for Isaac. That means after living there for 65 years, Eliezer's journey itself is a judgment on all the girls in Canaan. 65 years, not a single girl worthy of this man. Okay. So please understand, it is judgment. Everything you have to see itself also in judgment. A simple journey can be an entire uh, judgment on an entire nation called Kalan. There's nobody fit here. Okay. So please remember, <clears throat> the bride of Christ has to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Because God's Holy Spirit is in the search and in the work of preparing a bride for His Son. In Revelation 17, if you look at the picture of the final, how the final religious system will work out. Okay, Religious system will work out. Verse 17, verses 1 to 6. Okay, you have the religious system, the political system, and you will see also the economic system. Verses 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talk, talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Okay? The religious system is called a harlot. With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. So the religious system... And the political system were together, but we never realized it. They are always together. The top leadership, religious, and the political system always work in hands. And the inhabitants of earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The people were compromised. The people never really, really knew how close they were. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy. So the woman is sitting on the beast. The political system is the beast and she is sitting on it, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of a fornication. So you'll always see the religious system is very big on outward show. Very big. And she's holding a cup full of abominations and the filthiness of a fornication. And that's what she made the world drink. The kings drank with her. And on her forehead was a name was written. Mystery Babylon the Great. So Babylon the Great is also mystery. It's a mystery religion. Understand that. It's a mystery religion. What happens in the secret, nobody knows. And you will see all the Canaanite and all those religions were there, wherein that was occult and witchcraft and orgies and drugs and alcohol. Everything is mixed together, but it happens in the dark. In the front, they are all like very noble-looking men, in noble robes and okay, purple robes and scarlet robes and all that ceremony and all kind of stuff they will have. That's in the front. Back is this. And who is she? The mother of harlots. She's not only a harlot, 
she has smothered many other harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And why is she going to be judged? I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Okay? He was amazed. He saw her. So he's seeing all that in perspective in the future. So the bride of Jesus Christ, the church, the true church, the bride of Jesus Christ has to be very, very careful. Why? Because mystery Babylon is the mother of halits. Okay, meaning it has also created so many others. Rama, woman, in the Bible symbolizes a church and doctrine. So those who followed him wherever he goes had never defiled themselves with women. This mystery Babylon has spawned a whole lot of harlots. And the church has to be very, very careful. Let us look at a spiritual truth that is shown by the Holy Spirit again through Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 15 to 17, which is talking about again harlotry. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 to 7. Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. So he's talking specifically there about physical fornication, but you have to look at the principle also what he's talking. Okay? Certainly not. Do you not know that he who is joined to an harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. And look, look at verse 17. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Okay, so we need to realize when we get saved, we become one spirit with God. That is how the Holy Spirit comes. Okay, so when our body and our soul cannot accept anything from mystery Babylon, You have to be very careful about what doctrine we receive. Very, very risky because your spirit is one with God. And mystery Babylon will always try to defy. Like I said, the first 4,000 years of human history, the enemy was after to see that the seed of the woman would not be born. But now that he has born and he has defeated the enemy, the entire purpose of mystery Babylon is to defile the bride of Christ. So this continuous process of sanctification has to take place so that when it is perfect, sanctification is complete, Christ will take his bride. So please remember in the last days, especially in these last days, because you will have one world coming up, system coming up. The political system, the economic system and the religious system will come together and God will allow it. And the church, using one picture as a big ch church, and also the churches who are joined to it, meaning they don't know it. Church is a spiritual entity, but there are physically there are different churches which are true. And the church, or the churches who will come through this, will have to rely entirely on the word of God and the spirit of God to come through this minefield. Okay, so the question is, how do we know we are not part of this unseen system?
Oh no, we have our minds have not been contaminated by these doctrines. That is why we go through what we go through. We study and we preach and we study and we preach because the only thing that can bring the church out is the word of God and the spirit of God. Because there are certain things that are prophesied in the Bible that can happen only when certain criteria is met. Like Daniel 12.4, we saw. 12.4, Matthew 24.3, 12.4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. So there is something called the time of the end. Matthew 24.3. Now he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be. What will be sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So in all that stuff he has said, they are general but also very specific. Certain things in that can happen only at the time of the end. Okay? Revelation chapter 3, the promise given to the church in Philadelphia can happen only at the end. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So that is why I said, CV19, it's a big test, because this is over the whole world. So this is one sign you don't take lightly. You don't take lightly. Nothing like this is happened ever before. There is something happening in the spiritual realm that nobody is aware of. And honestly, you look, do I miss David Wilkerson, Derek Prince, A.W. Tosser's Lord? You took them before. <laughs> we look for one genuine prophetic voice who could actually speak. And they're all gone. All gone. You look, there is nobody of their caliber left. Nobody of their caliber left. Nobody left. You always almost feel like you've been left like orphans. All those great men who were there in our time are gone. Now you have, of course, you have people like godly men like Charles Stanley and all of them are there. But they cannot speak to us like they could. Because they never came the way they came. These were broken saints who spend time between the altar and the threshold crying out to the Lord and hearing very clearly and they could point. They prepared us and they left. Okay? They prepared us and they left. <clears throat> so there is a generation of all generations that will go through this. Okay? There is a generation of all generations which will go through this. And when they go through this, please remember, the whole world would have become one grid. We realize the whole world has become one grid. Economically, politically, religiously, everything. Everybody has become one grid. That one virus is affecting everybody. So, we have to be very careful that we are not in part or full attached to that grid. In this world, but not of it is the key. 
Okay, so we have to have very clear, open ears. Personally, individually, not corporately. This won't work corporately. This is not going to work corporately. Because this has to be individual. You can be a set of 100 people and still all of all people hear the same message and ignore it and walk away. In Hebrews 12, where the writer of Hebrews warns of what God will do again in the last days, chapter 12 and verse 25, it begins with a very severe admonition, warning. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. It begins with that warning. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. And then takes it back, straight back to the time when he spoke. And when he spoke that time, when he's talking about, he has spoken many different ways in the world, but when he gave the law, he shook everything. The whole world was shaken by the giving of the law because everything changed after the law came in. And he says, second time, he's going to shake up not only the earth, but also the heavens. Once more, verse 20, this says, they did not escape whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, it's a promise, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken will remain. So the entire purpose God is shaking everything is that, by the time everything is shaken and over, his people will know in their lives what is left. Only things that cannot be shaken will be left. Eternal things. The kingdom of God. What is that cannot be shaken? The kingdom of God. What is that will be shaken? The world will be shaken. Okay. And I, I don't believe it will happen in one go. I believe that God is taking us through a process. Okay process like in Matthew 24 and verse 8 he uses the term labor pains right 24 and verse 8 these are the beginning of sorrows or labor pain Prasavavedana that is what uh, Hindi will say no labor pains so how would you use this term in terms of shaking if the shaking is the big earthquake, you would call this one of the tremors. Big tremors. That's how seismologists do. They look at the tremors and they will say a big one is coming. They always have told a big one is going coming in California. Big one. They have been taking all this tremor. They said a big one is coming. When it comes, California probably, SFO and all will be split into two. They know a big one is coming. So God is saying, watch out for the tremors, because the big one will come. Okay, it will, it will not be a sudden earthquake, a tremor after tremor after tremor after tremor. So the warning is, when these tremors come, do not refuse him who speaks. It's a warning. So we are in the midst of one of the, the most, what you call, Biggest tremors in my lifetime. I'm older than any of you sitting here. Biggest tremor in my lifetime. Okay, unlike you, I came through uh, 1971 war, 
I don't think I even knew. <laughs> I was even bothered about it. Okay. My dad was there during the Chinese independence. All those, they were there. So, no, but this is in my lifetime the biggest tremor we have faced. So as God's servants everywhere, we have an obligation, a duty to warn every man, woman and child. Don't take this lightly. Don't take this lightly. So we have to preach two things. We have to preach salvation and we have to preach judgment. Salvation and judgment. Because there is no point in preaching salvation without judgment. Because if you preach salvation with judgment, nobody will take it seriously. Why do you need salvation? Because judgment is coming. If there is no judgment, there is no need for salvation. Getting the picture? If there is where there is no judgment, there is no need for salvation. Salvation itself implies you are being saved from something. What are we be saying from? So when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. And one of the most beautiful pieces of salvation message ever preached by the apostles is by Peter in Acts chapter 10. It's beautiful. You can't, you can't go better than that. Chapter 10 verses 34 to 43. Profound preaching. Simple, logical and it's being preached to the Gentiles. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which, the, which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That the word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And they're listening. To him all the prophets witness through his name. Whoever believes in his name will receive remission of sin. So he speaks judgment. He speaks salvation. Points them to Jesus, his life, his work. And scripture says all they were listening, the Holy Spirit fell on them. Make it. So this is the full gospel. <laughs> okay, this is the full gospel, and you cannot have a gospel that is preached without the message of judgment. There is remission of sins, and there is eternal damnation. As a redeemer, he will save us. As a judge, he will judge us. But if you look at Hebrews 7 and verse 25, we know it. As a redeemer, if he will, since he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always loves to make intercession for them. As a redeemer, if he will save us to the uttermost until we are perfect, then be very sure as a judge, 
he will also judge us to the uttermost. Nothing will be left. Okay? That's why scripture says, every word, every deed, every thought, every intention, so better be saved from all of that. Otherwise, everything will be bare before him. So these are the pictures. Therefore, we need to take away every day, morning and night, as we continue this ministry. Last night, we looked at Genesis 24 and verse 14. That was Eliezer's prayer. Behold, I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the, he starts praying. It begins with prayer. Please remember, we have to look for spiritual markers in life. These markers are killers. And one of the markers in a child of God's life is prayer. A child of God, or a man, or a woman, who does not pray. Only one thing blocks a man from praying. It's pride. Your prayer is your most visible sign of humility, humbling yourself before somebody. Okay? Old days, when we were all studying and then we taught, when we wrote letters, the letters to higher people was always so polite, we making a prayer, kind of said this thing. Now it is like equals. Okay? Even that concept about prayer is taken away because the whole world is proud. There is no humility there. So please, please understand that. There are markers that will take you, mess you up. One is, of course, pride. The other is ignorance. Okay? It is ignorance. The third one will come. One of the signs of a person who is humble is genuine prayer. Not the Pharisee's prayer. He's not praying. He's speaking to himself. That's not prayer. It's, it's a monologue. Okay? Pride will kill you. Our lack of proof, our prayer is the simplest proof of prayer, sorry, of pride that we are independent of God. Please know this. God hates pride. In English we say, pride goes before a fall. The Bible does not say that. It does not say that. Proverbs 16, 18, it says something worse. It does not say pride goes before a fall. It says pride goes before destruction. And that is what went before devil's destruction. And he wants to put that into us without us realizing that you have it, you can be very sure you will be destroyed. You will be destroyed. Because God is humble, the devil is proud. 
And God will be very sure in the new creation there will be nothing of pride. So a lot of people's work they will make through but everything will burn away because there was pride in it. Pride in it. No man will boast. Bible says. So be very, very, very careful. So Eliezer is putting a marker over there. Second marker I told you is ignorance. My people are destroyed because of ignorance. Ignorance of what? Of God. What kind of a God is. And like I said yesterday, a lot of people in the church sadly are ignorant children. No clue what kind of a God is. All they have been given is like some cotton candy doctrines and they are so comfortable in it with thought. And ignorance kills you. Ignorance kills you. Okay. So in his prayer, he says, if you go back, to this thing, he, yeah, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink, so he's putting a marker over there, Lord, I'm a stranger, I'm an old man, we are here, and the girl who comes, I will ask, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. If you're humble, you will say, please drink. If you're not, who are you? Who are you? Why should I serve you? I don't know you. i got other stuff to do. The first marker he puts over there is, if she is humble, she will say, drink. Because pride rules. Humility serves. The prayer and the answer to the prayer is designed to bring out something from inside. Because the girl who comes is a complete stranger. And he is a complete stranger to that girl. Okay. First thing is that, will you let down your pitcher that I may drink? And she will say, drink. She a humble girl or not. Second, she will also say, and I will also give your camels a drink. Second, two markers are there in one prayer request. Two markers. One is if she humble. Second, Proverbs 31.25. Proverbs 31.25. Strength and honor are our clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Does she have the strength? Can she endure this? Verse 27. 31-27. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. See, you cannot draw water for a whole ten camels unless you have been always been working hard. You are a hard worker. Now we want soft, not like this, what you see on fashion magazine, no emaciated girls and they call them beautiful. They have no strength at all because they have never worked. Isaac's bride is a strong woman. A church that serves has strength from serving and serving and serving and serving and has enduring strength. 
Okay. The Holy Spirit is putting a marker over there, a spiritual mark over there. She will be humble. Not only will she be humble, she will be a strong. She is not a church that eats the bread of idleness. The bread of idleness. That's the third marker. She is not proud. She is not ignorant. She understands the ways of God. The church understands the ways of God. She is not lazy. Turn with me to Matthew 25-26. This is the parable of the minas. And that one servant who hid his mina when he is judged. His Lord said, answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. So laziness is wickedness. The lazy servant will end up in hell. Spiritual laziness is wickedness. That is exactly what God has done with COVID-19. Exposing the spiritual laziness of God's people around the world. That COVID-19 has hit and suddenly everybody realized spiritually we were never prepared. We don't have the word. We never did the things we should have done for our spirit. Spiritual laziness has been exposed, completely exposed. And God is not going to take a spiritually lazy bride for his son. Because he is never spiritually lazy. On earth when he was, you know how he was on fire for his father. Early in the morning and preaching through the day. Prepared by the 30th year. Fullness of the word. Fullness of the spirit. God is exposing. Actually a tremor is going through the church. The church is actually realizing. you know. And even now all those people. Today is the 31st day. How many of you are able to sustain 31 days of preaching, 2 hours, morning and evening? Well, I am telling you, if you were not saved, you would have sustained 6 hours of Netflix without any hassle. No hassles at all would have sustained. I have nothing to do. I am sitting at home. Everything is shut. Food is being cooked. I'll sit and entertain myself. Six hours, seven hours, eight hours, nine hours, ten hours, any number gaming people are able to sustain. But when the tremor has come, nothing is going to save you unless you are spiritually strong. He who endures till the end will be saved. All the others will be destroyed when it comes because they cannot sustain it. So we have to look at pictures what the Bible is actually giving us. And spiritual laziness of God's people are being exposed. It is good. He has to expose it. Otherwise, how will we get rid of it? Otherwise, we will be so complacent. If COVID-19 hasn't come, you would all have been thinking, I am fine, I am okay, you are okay. When nobody is okay. And now this is exposing so many things in ourselves. Okay, I have all this time on my hands. But really... Earlier I was so busy, 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 kids had to go to school and this thing and office and work and dubba, packing everything, I had no time. But now I've got all my time in my life and I realize I can't even pray for 15 minutes. I simply don't have it. I cannot listen to one message fully. 
and I have the time on my hand, suddenly you realize you did not have a spiritual discipline. You are active in other things, but spiritually you are lazy. And the Lord answered you, wicked and lazy servant. That's the Lord's answer, right? So everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The whole world literally has been hit by a tsunami. Everything on which human civilization rests on actually has been hit. Everything human civilization rests on has been hit. Have you noticed the only ones who are not affected by COVID-19 are the animals and the birds? Because God said spare them. This has got nothing to do with them. This is a test for my people. Animals are not affected. The only animals who have to be protected are the ones we kept in the zoos. So we are responsible for that. All the birds of the air, all the animals in the forest, they are all fine. They are all fine. This tremor hasn't hit them at all. If any animal is affected, you see pictures of all the dogs running around. In Mysore, we saw some animal from the forest, elephant going through the street. Australia kangaroos are going through the streets. Pictures are coming. Why? They are free. COVID-19 is not scaring them. They are not wearing masks. They are not using sanitizer. They are walking freely as they are more free today. It hasn't affected. So you look at it. This is That's why we have to look at these things and realize, you know what? This God is speaking to man. He's not speaking to animals. None of them are touched. He's not speaking to animals. So this is a tremor aimed at man and man's system called Babylon. So mankind has to stand up, sit up and take notice. And our job is to preach. And we have to preach by faith like John the Baptist did. He preached. God said and gave him a message. It was a boring message to today's world, but that was the message of God. Repent or perish. And scripture says, the word of God passed around and people started coming out of the towns and cities to the wilderness to listen to him. In the same way, we have to preach. And there are a lot of others also who are preaching the authentic message. God will touch those who are worried and searching to those sites. You have to supernaturally believe the hand of God. It was God who took the people to the desert to listen. So we have to believe. We put it up, we leave it, and God will direct. Because everybody is sitting before the internet. God will direct. But we have to do our job. Everything that we took pride in, everything that we took pride in, has actually, if you look at has failed. Health has failed, economy has failed, knowledge has failed, human affection has failed. Husbands and wives are fighting like crazy in the homes. Children are going mad. Honestly, fighting like crazy. Certain places, even in India, during this period has got calls on the helpline for domestic and child abuse maximum during these 30 days. Asking for help. Religion has failed. Religion has failed. Ultimately, all governments have failed. Why? Because he said, everything that is not built on the rock, remember the two houses, will be shaken. It's not built and 
this is only one of the first tremors. So God in his mercy is giving his people time. Get your act together. It will only get worse. Pursue holiness with God and peace with one another so that you can hear. You can hear. Otherwise you can't hear what God is saying. I'm telling you, if you actually look at some of the pictures in the Bible, I'm not looking at those pictures, but if you look at the pictures in the Bible, like the book of Isaiah and all, they are scary. God is going to judge and what he will do. Every category of people, Isaiah 2, Isaiah 24, every category of people, he said nobody will be spared. It will be the same. Actually, it's look like you can actually take Isaiah 24, 12 categories of people who are um, are going to be affected during his judgment. It is COVID-19 situation. Whether you are a prime minister or a chaprasi, everybody is affected. So prime minister of Britain also went to ICU. This will also go to the ICU. There is this knows no rank. And that's exactly what God said in the book of Isaiah. Nobody will be spared. So it's a warning. It's a warning. Okay, and we have to take these warnings very, 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 very seriously. Why? Sometimes we do not know the results of our own prayers. Yesterday we looked at our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then, did you know when the kingdom comes, all these things will happen? The kingdom cannot come without this happening. We are guilty for COVID-19 because we prayed, let thy kingdom come. He says, yes, it's coming. I will shake everything that can be shaken because the kingdom is coming. You are receiving the kingdom that cannot be shaken. When we pray thy kingdom comes, all everybody thinks that snowflakes will fall down. No. When you have to read everything connected with the last days, then you will realize, boy oh boy, this is not, this is not easy. What he is saying is not easy. So we go to Genesis 24 and verse 11. Again, let us see through the eyes of God's word and as the spirit of God shows us. So he made his camels kneel down outside the city. By a well of water at evening. See this whole world as Babylon, a city. And Eliezer is outside. He will not enter the city. It's outside. And it is eventide. This evening. Zechariah chapter 14. Verse 14. Verse 6 and 7. Or not 14, 14, 14, 6 and 7. This is just before the day of the Lord, okay, before it comes. It shall come to pass in that day there will be no light. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but evening time it shall happen that it will be light. Just, it's a, <laughs> these are constructions, okay? <laughs> these are constructions. Meaning, the, before the day of the Lord comes, before that it will be like evening time. Neither day nor night, evening time. 
before the day of the Lord. Before Rebecca is going to be redeemed, it will be evening time. Okay, remember, it is evening time. It's neither day nor light. It's even tide. And Zachariah wants, wants before the Lord comes and redeems, the time will be like that. Neither delight nor darkness. It is even time. And Rebecca had no idea that she was going to walk into a new day. Had no clue that everything would change for her very soon. Everything she had worked for, persevered for, will be fulfilled soon. Okay? But remember, after the event died, will come the day of darkness. That too is prophesied in Joel 2.2. 2. One thing for Rebecca, one thing for the rest. Joel 2.2. 2. A day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come great and strong, like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be such after them, even for many successive generations. Okay? So it is eventide and the, what you call, I see it this way, Benjamin will arise, Benjamin will be revealed, the right hand of God, the son of my right hand. When when Rachel birthed Joseph, what does Joseph mean? It means another son. So even the birth of Joseph was prophesying Benjamin. That Joseph represents Christ. That Christ will have the son of his right hand. A generation will rise like never before, the overcomers. So it is even tide and redemption for the church that was waiting, while it is darkness and gloominess for the rest. Something will happen. Christ will have his bride. And that bride in terms of mankind is the like of whom has never been. After that, there is a thousand year reign of generation and generation generation under Jesus' reign. But even those generations will never compare to that generation. Impossible. That is a church that worked and worked and worked and was ready for the Lord's coming. So get these pictures in. And what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to blow the trumpet. A warning. Our spiritual Eliezer is around the corner seeking Rebecca. What we do not realize is not so much the issue with the word. Everybody is preaching the word. It's not so much. The issue is with listening to the Spirit. All those who have eyes, let them read the word. He never said that. All those who have ears, let them listen to preaching. He didn't say that either. He said, all those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. That's the key. That is the key. The issue is this. What is the Spirit saying? Jesus talked about the five foolish virgins and the five wise. What separated the two was only oil. The only thing that separated both was oil. 
both groups slept. Both groups slept. One group's sleep was the sleep of carelessness. One was the sleep of rest. Because they had oil. So as soon as they heard the they trembled and they were gone. Both slept, but the sleep was not the same. One was careless. The other was careful. So the careful man or woman who is preparing every day, when he goes to sleep, it is rest for him. The other one is restless. Or a false peace. But this one is at rest. This one is restless. Think about Peter's sleep in the prison. Peter is chained between guards and all these guards are there. And what is happening is Peter is asleep. They are also asleep. Peter's sleep is a sleep of rest because he's put his trust in God. These people are also sleeping. It's a false sleep. A few hours later, Peter will be free and he will go. All these people will lose their heads. But all of them slept. But the sleep was not the same. Ten virgins slept. Five entered into the groom's wedding. The other five were shut out. And what is the only difference? Difference was not the lamp. The difference was the oil. And Jesus keeps on warning. So to read the word, to study the word, to interpret the word, and all is possible with human soul. Understanding wisdom and concordance, all that we can do. But to hear the spirit, unless you are absolutely clean here, you will not hear. He doesn't speak. So the entire work of sanctification continuously is to hear him speak. You hear a message, you hear in the morning message, and one thing everybody should take it is that, Lord, deal with bitterness in my life. As simple as that. You heard, it was clear, the old message, it was that, Lord, let me not have any bitterness, because as the saint goes through, he will get attacked left, right, center, and God deliberately allows that in you, happen to see that there is no bitterness in you. 430 years of slavery and all that, okay, you have come out and God is saying, you know what, you got a lot of bitterness in you. Bitterness in you. Let go Israel. So the first thing that he does is to reveal their bitterness and then get rid of the bitterness and that is what they never, if they had dealt with bitterness in that first at Mara, the rest of the journey would have been fine. But they didn't deal with it. They didn't spiritually deal with it. And that caused further and further and further into complaining, grumbling, rebellion. They all were destroyed in the desert. Okay. So all we we can do is warn others. But we can only prepare ourselves. Cannot prepare. Nobody can prepare somebody else. We can only prepare ourselves. And we cannot share our preparedness. If Peter is prepared, he cannot share his preparedness with <laughs> Dr. Richard. Dr. Richard has to be prepared himself. Because that's a spiritual thing. That cannot be, that cannot be shared. You can lay hands and share a gift. Paul can share his gift by laying hands on Timothy. But Paul is prepared every day. That he cannot share to Timothy. Timothy has to prepare on his own. Timothy can arise and work with the double preparedness of of Paul without being prepared. You know that? 
Elisha can come out under the double portion and do double the miracles of Elijah and die of a sickness while Elijah is taken alive. That's a different thing. It's a different thing. Okay. Elijah can prepare an Elisha, but Elisha prepared nobody. Moses could prepare Joshua, Joshua prepared nobody. These are the things we have to understand. Preparedness is something else. Preparedness is something else. And that's a daily process. That's what God is saying. So there were so many girls in the town. Plenty in the town. But one would come out at the right moment. That means when Rebecca is being moved by the Holy Spirit. To come out at the right time. Okay, that is the life of the Spirit. So you never, if you are led by the Spirit, you are never worried about missing opportunities. Because your opportunities are created by the Spirit and not by man. So you are never worried about missing opportunities. You can't miss opportunities. So even the worst thing that happens to you because the Holy Spirit without even you realizing you is leading you is your opportunity. Your brothers put you into the well, stripped your coat off and there are the Ishmaelites coming. Without realizing they have been moved to come here for your sake. Take him there. Because your life is different. You are being led by the Spirit because you are keeping your spirit clear. No bitterness. No complaining. No murmuring. You are judging yourself constantly. So everything that is happening in your life, the Holy Spirit is in control. You can be falsely accused and be taken and thrown into the dungeon. Immediately two people come there to teach you the manners of the court. The butler and the cupbearer are sent there for you. Because your life is being controlled by the Holy Spirit. So two people from the king's palace, two of the top guys, the chief butler and the chief cupbearer come. And from them... He will learn all the things about how the Egyptian court works so that one day he can there and administer without having to go to an academy. He learned it all in prison. Without distraction. No TV there to internet, nothing needed. Two of the best guys from the palace is there to teach him. Already he has learned how to manage a house. Now he learned how to manage the country. Because he is led by the spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads us without us even knowing. All he says is keep yourself clean. Hear my voice. Sanctify yourself constantly. Sanctify yourself constantly. So what happens is so many good, wonderful, loving, kind, righteous people have made the Holy Spirit into a doctrine. Or a power. And not a person. They, Even though they may acknowledge him as a person, they do not experience him as a person. Whom you hear, obey, and follow. Because only he can take you to Isaac. Take you to Isaac. Only he can make you the bride of Isaac. Please understand that. That's the difference. So Eliezer is outside the city by the well. And if you know, the well is often the testing place for so many people in the Old Testament. Well. So the question is, are you spiritually proud that you think you don't need 
to go anymore like before to draw water from the well. You don't need the word anymore. No. Revka is the first to be there. Even time she is the first one to be there. So this was her practice, to be at the well first. Are you willing to draw and serve? Are you willing to draw from the wells of salvation? Answer. That is true grace. Because true grace, once you experienced it, like the Samaritan woman, will run and share. That's true grace. False grace will just keep it for yourself. That means you haven't experienced the grace of God. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The word of the blood of the lamb they overcame is here. If you put it in spiritual terms, it's also part of your salvation. He saved you. And immediately you have a testimony. You cannot stop talking about him. You cannot stop because grace will cause you to share. Serve. There is she serving. Then, Will you water all the camels and the other men too? Question is, are you lazy? Because the bride of Christ is clothed in strength. And you come to verse 15. And it happened before he had finished speaking. That behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Today's girls, of course, do not have the picture on their shoulder. They have their picture on their shoulder every day. Picture, selfie, posting. I'm talking about the church, not about girls. Every church is posting selfies. But she had a picture on her shoulder. Rebecca, daughter of Bethuel. It's from Bethuel also we get the term Bethel. Okay, Bethel, Bethuel. But Bethel means house of God. Bethuel means the one who... Points to God. <laughs> Rebecca means tie or binding. This interest, right? So Bethuel will point out to God and that tie will bind her to Isaac. And Isaac will laugh for all eternity because he got his girl. The Holy Spirit is all over the picture. Okay, The trust of Abraham the trust of Isaac and Eliezer himself. Trust God. And here comes Rebekah, led by the Spirit. And if you go to verse 16, now the young woman was very beautiful to behold. She's a beautiful woman. Because it is a physical picture and the church is not a physical entity, it's a spiritual entity, we have to go to First Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. When spiritual Isaac, Jesus is looking, he contrasts outer beauty with inner beauty. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. So God looks into the heart of the church and sees if she is beautiful. The incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. 
as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and not afraid with any terror. So we are, we are not talking about women here. So all the sisters, Apukuti, don't worry. Okay? We are not talking about the women. We are talking about the church. The church that Jesus is looking for, the Holy Spirit will prepare for his son. Has a quiet and a gentle spirit. It has a submissive spirit. It has an obedient spirit. And it understands the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not just savior. The lordship of Jesus Christ. And it is not afraid. It is not afraid. There is no fear. It is not afraid. Willingly, fearlessly submits to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It is gentle. It is quiet. It is submissive. It is obedient. It understands the lordship of Jesus Christ. And there is no fear. Contrast that with Babylon will be harsh, loud, reckless, disobedient, proud. She sits there and says, I am no widow. You have to read the book of Revelation further what Babylon will say. I am no and no fear. The other fear of God. But in one day she will be destroyed. So contrast this, what church is what the apostate churches, the world is. So there stood Rebecca. Okay, Rebecca. So get this picture very, very clearly for men or women, both become the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Jesus Christ. It is good to have a quiet and a meek spirit. It is good to have. Okay. Don't shout. Don't, don't be, Jesus doesn't shout. Telling you honestly, he doesn't shout. Okay, he doesn't shout. Be gentle. Okay, because you can, you don't have to shout. You can shout at the demons if you want, but don't shout at people. No? Because when, when you know your authority, you will also realize you don't have to shout. <laughs> you don't have to shout. No? So, the bride of Jesus Christ, both men and women have to get this picture. Have to get this picture. We usually teach in terms of women because it's specifically talked about in the context of women. But when you look at it, the context of the church, it applies to both men and women. And there she stood. And how did she stand? Very beautiful to behold a virgin. No man had known her. Okay, so that's a spiritual picture because it is put over there, so it is this a revelation given by the Holy Spirit, not Eliezer, or it is not given by anybody. It's a, it is a Holy Spirit revelation that the church is beautiful, and the church is a virgin. And we saw that Second Corinthians chapter eleven and verse two. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So she is, she is meek. She is quiet. She is submissive. She is obedient. She understands the lordship of Jesus Christ and she is not afraid of the world. Okay. Clothed in strength. All these things are churches and she is chaste. 
She's come through every deceptive doctrine of the enemy thrown in through different media and pulpit and the world and all and navigated her way through and come clean. And when she went wrong, she came back, repented, cleansed, sanctified and when she comes here, she's got only one thing. Her mind is the mind of Christ. Okay, the mind matters. Therefore, she's able to love God with all her mind. Come through. It does not happen overnight, by the way, okay? There's a process, okay? She has come through that preparation which the Holy Spirit does. She has been transformed from glory to glory by the washing of the water by the word. Hearing and obeying. The only thing Jesus said about the difference between the two houses that was hit by the storm, he compared to the lives of people, is that the one we fell, the one that did not fall. Why are the ones who did not fall? They heard and they obeyed. That's the key. Heard and obeyed. Please remember this about our King to Christ Jesus. King Jesus also was born of a virgin. And he will only marry a virgin. He was born of a virgin and born sinless. So when he finally marries his girl, she will also be like him, has been sanctified so completely there is nothing of sin in her. Made that way. So God says, I have given you the way. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. You didn't come like that, but you can become like that. What is it? If you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is the work of sanctification. He is in the light. We want to be in the light. God says, my Holy Spirit will convict you. The word will convict you. The blood will cleanse you. It's an entire lifelong. Many are called. Few are chosen because they get off the road of sanctification. That is hard work for them. So there is preparation. Esther 2, 3, KJV. Can I have KJV? Esther chapter 2, verse 3. Another young girl picked for a king. Okay. That's another picture who is also picked for a king. Among many. Let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they might gather together all the fair young virgins under Sushan the palace, to the house of the women, into the custody of Hege, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, and let their things for what? Aren't they already virgins? Yeah. Things for their purifications be given to them. So, the Holy Spirit also, through the word, gives the church, positionally she is considered a virgin, but she needs to be purified. Israel has been redeemed out of his, out of Egypt. They have come out through the Red Sea, but they cannot be taken straight to the promised land because they need to be purified of a lot of muck that is in their head. And they refused the work of purification. So they were destroyed. When we came to Christ, we were also washed clean by the blood of Jesus. But there is a process. If you come to Revelation 21 and verse 27. That is the bride of Christ Jesus. The city is mentioned there. 
but they shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Thing that defiles will ever enter into that city. And I have this feeling, okay, my doctrine, please, it is not doctrine, this is my feeling, and I, I am also entitled to feelings, okay. This is my feeling, that from the earth, all those who were saved, redeemed, and ended up in the new earth, will not be allowed like that into the city. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Because they did not go through their entire purification. Or they will be allowed during certain seasons to eat from that tree for their healing. So there is a ministry that is going to take place even in eternity from the bride onto the ends of God's creation. She will be the one who will minister to those people who never reach that perfection. So they were there. Things were given. And 2.5, Esther 2.5. Let us look at Esther. Yeah, yeah, anyway, any KJV or anything. In Sushanda Citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai. Okay. Romans 2.28-29. That's why we just spoke about it. We all have spoken about it many times. But let us look at that. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So only servants of God who allows the spirit of God to circumcise the heart continuously can raise a Esther. Esther is a result of Mordecai's ministry. That's why very clearly his identity is mentioned. There was Mordecai and he was a Jew. Not an Israelite, he was a Jew. And Paul will bring that truth down into the new covenant and says, who is a Jew and who is not a Jew? So he's saying, people sitting here, if you are allowed the Spirit of God to work in you, are Jews, while the fellows sitting in Israel are not Jews. So Jews are only the ones who allow the Holy Spirit to work in them. So Mordecai is a Jew. He is a Jew who is one inwardly, that there is nothing of Babylon in him. He has constantly allowed the Holy Spirit to cut the world out of his system. And therefore, he is able to raise up an Esther. So as servants of God, if we don't deal with the world constantly, then what will we do? We will mix the world with the word and give it to the people. And no Esther will come out of those churches. It's not possible for Esther to come out of the church because the bride has already been compromised. Because they don't see the purpose. This is the problem with pastors always. I tell them, you don't understand purpose of ministry. The purpose of ministry you learn from Apostle Paul and the others is to bring out a chaste, pure virgin for Christ Jesus. That should be the end of your ministry. And for that you will find so much difficulty. But don't worry. Don't worry about it. When Eliezer walked and went on camel for weeks and months together to find a bride for Isaac, it was not an easy journey at all. 
But Abraham had given him full authority and everything he needed to find a bride for Isaac. God has also given us all the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit for one purpose. What is that? Through the ministry of the word, get me a girl for my son. Get me a church that will fit in with my son. And we cannot change that. We cannot compromise on that. So every servant of God who preaches, teaches, everybody who is in the ministry, even when you are in the praying ministry, your prayer also should tally with the word of God. That is why Jesus said, right? What did Jesus say? He's, he's, he's saying, don't pray like these people. They are always praying about all these things. Your father already knows. Your prayer should be primarily connected with God's kingdom and his will. And you realize his will is connected with sanctification. Primarily connected with sanctification. That is his prayer. So if you are in prayer ministry, your prayer ministry also should be, Lord, salvation of people and the sanctification of the saints. And if you come to come to Hebrews 5 and verse 7, his entire prayer life was defined by that. Jesus' entire prayer life. In the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, vehement cries and tears to him, was able to save him from death. What is that? Lord, let me not ever defile myself. My entire walk here, Lord. I am in the flesh. And all the temptations are in the flesh. I have to walk in this flesh until my work is finished on the cross in the flesh. Let me not defile myself. Let me not lose my sanctity. That was the entire cry is about that. Because I don't want to die from sinning. And that death is what his father saved him from. Father did not save him from death as atonement for sin. Father saved him from dying because of sin. If that is the bridegroom's prayer, can the bride's prayer be different? The bride looks into her husband's prayer and says, Oh my gosh, this is how he prayed all the days of his life, for my sake. Because he prayed like that, I, a harlot, can become a virgin. So if that is the way he prayed, that is the way I should pray. So he said, this is how you should pray. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. And keep forgiving so the bitterness doesn't get in and you fall away from grace. Because if you fall away from grace, then nothing else will happen in your life. Because everything that God does in your life happens through grace. That's the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus makes this, this uh, scary statement in John chapter 15 and verse 4. Scary. It's a very scary statement. This, you have to mark scary statements in red in your Bible. And keep reading them once in a while. Abide in me, I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me, neither can you. Unless you? Yeah, look at words. Yeah, verse 5, verse 4 and 5. Yeah, I am the vine, you are the branches, you abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, and that is a very scary, without me you can do nothing. Nothing. No. You have to look in the mirror and say, without Christ I can do nothing. Without Christ I can do nothing. So what I am even trying to do something. If he says, without him I can do nothing, that means everything that I did apart from is nothing. No. There were sometimes children in my exam, no. They have written so much, but you could give them nothing. Sir, I wrote so much. I said, you come here, you sit down with me, sit here. 
sit here. There is no grammar here. There is no construction here. There is no answer here. You did so much, but it is nothing. That's all God is talking about. Without me, you can do? It's a very scary statement. Then only we will realize that without the Holy Spirit, we just become good, nice, righteous Pharisees like Nicodemus. You know who, who today's modern day good, righteous Pharisees are? These are good Baptists and Lutherans, righteous, godly men who secretly watch Pentecostal sermons. They come in the night. They come in the night. When nobody is watching, they watch their sermons. These guys have power. They are nice people. Nice people. Godly people. I mean, I would give my right hand to have the life of Nicodemus. Boy, you all have wonderful testimonies, all of them. But, the issue is with the Holy Spirit. The issue is with the Holy Spirit. So there is Nicodemus, sorry, there is Mordecai, a true Jew. He is the one who will raise up an Esther. So the call to every servant of God is, be a Mordecai, be a true Jew, whose heart is constantly circumcised by the Spirit of God, inwardly, not outwardly. And then Esther 2.7. We'll see the kind of people, the, the church that Christ will pick. And Mordecai had brought up Hadasha. That is Esther, his uncle's daughter. For she had neither father nor mother. Notice that. The bride that will be chosen for the king will have neither father nor mother. Hebrews 7.3 Hebrews 7.3 Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God. She realizes she is part of the Melchizedek priesthood and not Aaronic. No father, no mother. Okay, she understands. I'm not Aaronic priesthood. I am of the priesthood of Melchizedek. If you're of the priesthood of Melchizedek, then it is a different thing. You know what you are? You are the one who blesses people. Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Abraham didn't bless Melchizedek. He blessed Abraham. And Abraham gave tenth of everything to him and he gave him bread and wine. Okay, so the bride realizes, I am part of him. I am part of him. I am not part of them. I am part of him. That's the difference. She understands her identity very well. Just like my Lord, I have no father, no mother. I am of the Melchizedek priesthood. The church understands. And she had been prepared by a true Jew whose heart had been circumcised. We go back to Genesis 24. Yeah? Verse 17. 
onwards. The servant ran to meet her. You have to see different pictures of God. Peter, get up Peter. <laughs> come slowly, slowly, okay, slowly. Put your head down and come slowly. Now this is the prodigal son returning and the father runs to meet him. But when he sees the bride, the Holy Spirit runs to meet her. Both are pictures of the same God. The God who runs to meet this repenting sinner and the God who runs for the bride who has a repenting sinner who has become the bride. Both cases they run. This is what the father was waiting for the sons to come home. And this is what the father has been waiting for the son to become the bride. For both there is a haste and an excitement in heaven. He ran to meet her. He ran to meet her and says, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. What a difference, right? What a difference. Think about it. These are all pictures in the Bible. This is, this, this is why we say the nature of God never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, forever. Here is Jesus sitting by the well, hot and tired, send all of them to buy food and sitting there and this woman comes. Confirmed sinner. Five husbands living with the sixth one and he asks her, will you give me a little water? You getting it? This is the humility of God. He will receive the ministry of a sinner and he will receive the ministry of the perfected bride. Both. Both. In both games, he begins with says, will you give me a pitcher of water? A drink from your pitcher? What a God! He never changes. And his entire heart is constantly in the redemption of man. Redeeming. He will redeem the harlot and receive the bride. And there is a haste in both. So she said, drink my Lord. Then she quickly let down her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished. You have to listen to those words very carefully. Not that I will give them all one sip each. Until they have finished drinking. What a confident church. What a confident church. Very confident. You commit a ministry into my hands, I believe I also will receive the provision to finish it. I am not afraid. It doesn't matter how big the need I am faced with. If you have called me, you have empowered me, and your power is with me, your provision is also with me. I will be able to take care of it all. That is how Jesus walked. And he never started anything which he didn't hear from his father. He already knew you have to feed this 5,000. No problem. Just give it to me. can meet everybody's need. It's not a problem at all. No. Until they have finished. Then she quickly emptied a pitcher into the trough and ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. What a girl, right? Mark 10.45 For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. If this is the heart of the Son, the Bridegroom, can the Bride be different? No. And this is what the Holy Spirit is watching. 
Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit is not watching for programs in churches. He's not looking at programs. He's looking at people who really have got a heart to serve. And willingness is the first thing. She was willing. If you are, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land, is what God said through Isaiah. Isaiah 1.19. If you are willing, and she's willing. A willing heart is the first criteria for all service to be acceptable before God. Because without a willing heart, service will become drudgery. But when you are willing, I mean, he, he, I, next line you will see that. He was like watching her, running back and forth, running back and forth. No? All for nothing. Who is this man? Who are these people? Who are these camera? Just the joy of serving. Just the joy of serving. The joy. You, the joy comes in serving itself. And God's servants find their joy in serving. Because they know who they are serving. You look at verse 21. He is watching. Wondering. Then the man wondering at her. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit wondering at a church? Wondering at a church. Wondering at her. When he sees their prayer life, their word life, their service life, he says he wonders. Wondering at her. Still remained silent. Not jumping into anything. This is too big a decision to make. Okay, she's cheerfully doing everything is fine, but still, this is Isaac's bride. Nobody else's. Wondering. Okay, wondering. Sometimes we also wonder. Thought. Is my ministry successful? It's my long, tiring journey we made, Lord. All this way, 12 years. And in these 12 years, we have never preached for 30 days like this. We also wonder. Is our journey prosperous or not? But we will not know until the Lord speaks. So we have to keep on, keep on serving. Cannot stop this. Because a lot of servants of God, like Elijah also finally gave up and said, I am no better than my fathers, let me die. Wondering, was it all worth this? All that I went through? He looked at him and said, I am a failure. And God is very gentle with him. He will say in the new covenant, I will never forget your labor of love. Gently wakes him up, eat. Again, wake up, eat and come. And all kind of manifestation, earthquake, fire, thunder, wind. He doesn't speak to him like that. He says, this is faithful servant. Okay, he slipped a little under depression, under pressure. That doesn't mean he's mad at him. He spoke to him in a whisper. A smoking flax he will not put off. A bruised reed he will not break. He's so gentle with him. Commissions him again. Corrects his couple of mistakes. And says, go back. I know you are lonely. I know you had a servant, but none of them. It's a help. I'm going to give you a guy. That guy will sustain your spirit for the next 10 years. That's the kind of strip. Because for teachers, the main thing is that you need at least one or two good students in the class. Otherwise, class is boring. 
can still tell you from 1989, my two best students, Sonam Karmashering and Sushma, I will never forget them. Both came first in all, all India, all Bhutan, first in English, my two best students. They made my life. You could just watch them and teach because they, you, they, they were like, what, what is what? They were soaking Shakespeare. <laughs> the rest of them, you need at least one. One. one became an English teacher, the other became the lawyer for the government. Okay. Well, the thing is that you need at least one. Okay. So these things you need to understand. Okay. But we wonder. We wonder. We wonder. So it was, verse 22, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a golden nose ring. Now, all this, see, uh, NKJV, NIV will all talk about nose ring. ESV will say gold ring. KJV will say earring. Because everybody is confused as to what it is. And I think it is because the plural was not. You see, go to KJV. I'm sure it is earring. It came to pass as the camels had done drinking. The man took a golden earring. The issue there is with a. If it had been written a pair of golden, they would have gone with earring. So they were all confused. So they look at that uh and said, okay, fix it to our nose. <laughs> okay, but I, I prefer to go with KJV. It looks like KJV is right. It came to pass as the camels had done drinking. That is a question. Can you endure the service God calls you to till the last one has finished? Drinking until the camels finish drinking. That's the call of ministry. And the greatest damage that has happened in ministry is people who quit. And it is a call of discipleship. And that's what Jesus says, count your cost. Will you finish this or not? Count your cost, will you finish it? People just quit or they go another way because they are not don't have that strength to endure. You need to realize the new covenant principle as opposed to the old covenant principle. In the new covenant principle, there was no Joshua standing with a stick. It was the ark, the priest carrying the ark going ahead. And scripture says they put their feet into the flooded river Jordan and they started moving and then the water started parting from there. So they were holding the presence of God on their shoulders, standing in the middle of the river. Scripture says, until the last man had crossed over. Not only that, he said, pick 12 stones. And you have to make a memo. Until that memorial also was over, they had to keep standing. Then only they moved. And they could not put down the ark down, the testimony of God down. They were the first in and the last out. That's what God is talking about. As the camel had done drinking, a true church, We'll have a testimony till the end, until the work is over. Then what did he do? He took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for our hands of ten shekels weight of gold. Okay, now he's, now he's like, 
90% convinced. Now only one question to be asked. This is the girl. This is the girl. Now one more question to be asked. Which family are you from? Question has to be asked. But other than that, he is, we won't go to the family today. Okay. So he takes a golden earring of half a shekel weight. And that's where it all begins. Our entire process of redemption begins with the ear. Begins with the ear. Our ears are what is redeemed first. Faith comes from hearing. But ear is not redeemed, you don't get a new heart. It all begins with the ear. Our ear has to be redeemed. Every day our ear has to be redeemed so that we hear. Be here, be here, be here. Let's go to Exodus. Ah, half, uh, half a sh- uh, gold earring of half a shekel of weight. Okay, let's go to Exodus 30. Verse 12 and 30. Exodus 3.0 if I'm right. When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel. Can we go to NKJV? Yeah, because people sometimes find KJV, young people listening find KJV difficult. When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel. What is the price for the redemption of your soul? Half a shekel. What did he give Rebecca? Half a shekel. He was redeeming her. And redemption begins with the redemption of your ears. Half a shekel of gold. Later God will incorporate that into the law of Israel. Every soul of Israel when census is taken will give half a shekel. Half a shekel. And this redemption of your soul begins with the redemption of our ears. Okay? And then we go back. Twenty-two. He also gave her two bracelets for her hand of ten shekels weight. Ten, you know, is the number of God's order. Ten commandments, that is completion, ten. And two is the number of witness. Two is the number of witness. The father and the spirit say, it's okay. This is a girl for our boy. And the hands are what are redeemed now. Why? Because now she will serve the Lord all the days of her life. Hands have been redeemed to serve God. She'll never serve flesh again. She'll never, the church will never serve flesh again. The church all through eternity will only serve the spirit. Final words, Jose, chapter 2, 19 and 20. I'll leave that to Pastor Vijay to break it down into 100 pieces. He will do that. Jose, chapter 2, 19 and 20. The electron microscope, he will put that two verses under that. I will give the big picture. Chapter 2, 19 and 20. I will betroth. He's betrothing her for Christ. The betrothal. Okay? I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy, 
I will betroth to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Right there by the well, right there by the well, no father, no mother, no brother, no family, nothing. Here is the Holy Spirit and here is the church and a betrothal is taking place. And a girl is a girl. Always a girl is a girl. Right, Apu? A girl is a girl. It's a girl. She immediately puts the earrings and the bracelets and runs home. And then look at On the way, I don't know how she managed to put it. <laughs> but a girl is a girl. <laughs> right? A girl is a girl. We are not like that. Like the trouser I wore last week. It was sitting in my cupboard after I bought it for four months. I forgot about it. That green, we all have that problem, no? that green shirt, I think it has been sitting there since my birthday, we forget, but not when I get something for my wife, no, honey, honey, wait, wait, let me try it out immediately, so girl is a girl, whether it is Rebecca or Elsa, it is the same, okay, <laughs> somehow on the way, she managed to put on the earrings and the bracelet, that's when they look at it, and they ask her what happened, what happened, they, immedi- they immediately realize something has happened over here. This girl has been betrothed. Okay? So, that I will leave you to Pastor Vijay. Okay? That will leave this thing. But also remember, there is something over here which you need to realize, which you will look probably in the days to come. When she is betrothed, her flesh and blood family realize something has happened. So, when things spiritual happens, the world will recognize this church has been touched by God. The church has been touched by God. Flesh will realize something has happened over here. They looked at her and they realized something has happened to our child, our sister. Okay? So we will stop there for today. Because if you get to the next verse, it will go further into family, khandan, God will check it all out, which family, not denomination, family. Okay? All denominations are welcome. As long as you believe in Christ. Let's pray. Father, this evening we just come to you. You're such a beautiful God, Lord. Beautiful, beautiful God. Who would run to a sinner? And who would run to a saint with the same haste? Only you will do it, Lord. Only you would have that same heart for a harlot and for a chaste virgin. Only you will have to redeem them. To purify them for your son. Only you will have, Lord. The father who ran to the prodigal son. And Eliezer who ran to Rebekah. The spirit behind was the same. And I pray, even as we hear, and your children are listening and watching, there will be an excitement in them, Lord. So many, even in this recent past, have come out of the world And there is rejoicing in heaven. Rejoicing in heaven for everyone who came out. And so many who had come out earlier have committed their lives over again in these 30 days to go through the purification you show. And you are running towards them too, Lord. So there is excitement in heaven, Lord. There is panic on earth because of COVID-19. But there is excitement in heaven because a church a church is being transformed from glory to glory in these days. I pray, Lord, in all our hearts, there will be a quickening. 
there will be a quickening, Lord. Like Elias redeemed Rebecca first by her ears, I pray there will be a redemption of ears today even as I speak. Plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over your hearers, O Lord. Let there be clarity in their spirit when they hear the word. Let there be life. For you said my word is life and spirit. Your word says it has the power to work in those who believe, but we have to hear first, Lord. Then only faith will come. In the old days we heard the voice of the Spirit concerning things of this body. The time has come for the ears to hear about the things of God. Of the judgment that is coming and is here. So the bride can sanctify herself. Touch, Lord. Touch ears today, Lord. Touch, 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 Father. Let there be opening of ears and eyes even as we pray, Lord. That your people will hear and see. If mystery Babylon is able to show her servants the depths of Satan, how much more will the Holy Spirit show us the depths of Christ? The glories of Christ. Which all of eternity will not be enough for us to know. Open the ears and eyes of your children, Lord. Let these hands be redeemed, O Lord, to serve you, to serve your people. Let it never tire. Let the body of Christ never tire serving her master. Enduring, enduring, Lord, enduring. Strength. Plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over all your children everywhere. Protect them. Not only from this plague, you promise Israel when you give the price of the redemption of your soul, you will be safe from the plague. Not only from the plague, Lord, but more than that, from all that the enemy is doing. The deceptions that are floating, the attacks that are being planned, the demons that are being sent. Let your church be safe. Spirit of God, protect your church everywhere, Lord. Let every power of darkness flee and go back to those who send them. Let your children be safe. Let there be heads around them. Let them stay safe under the blood and inside the hedge. Let there be confusion in the ranks of the enemy. Total confusion in the ranks of the enemy. Let all these workers of wickedness be exposed and taken away. So Lord, there will be open heavens for even the youngest ones to be able to see and to hear and understand what God is saying and doing in these last days. Let there be no confusion in the body of Christ. Let there be no confusion, Lord, in your church. Let your church know exactly, Lord, know exactly what's happening. And lift up our heads. Come against that spirit of depression in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The spirit of discouragement in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Command it to leave the body of Christ. I bind every spirit of suicide. I command it to leave in Jesus' name. You will not touch the body of Christ. 
we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. I speak the blood of Jesus against you. And your defeat be proclaimed. Christ has made a spectacle of you in the heavenlies. You cannot lie to us. You cannot deceive us. You have been disarmed completely. You have no power over us. We are under the blood. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for your victory in our lives. You are our redemption. You are our sanctification. You are our glory, our wisdom. You are our everything, Lord. In you we are hidden and nobody can touch us, Lord. Anyone who touches us has to come through you first. So we stay hidden in you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all these things you have written in your scriptures so that it would be shown to us in these last days to prepare for your son's coming. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I speak your peace to every heart, every home. Let there be peace and reconciliation in homes, O oh Lord. Let there be a divine hunger cost in every heart to seek after the things of God so that you, you will have a Rebecca waiting, Lord, prepared at the well. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. And we also proclaim, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. In Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and Amen.